You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Hallett. Hello, Oilers fans. Thank you once again for tuning in to another edition of The Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. Very quickly here, quick shout-out to our sponsor, DraftKings. If you're going to sign up today, make sure to use promo code THPN. I'll tell you a little bit more about that later on in the show, and we've got a good one for you today. We're going to talk to John Liu from TSN Montreal. We'll also speak to Jordan Hall. He covers the Philadelphia Flyers out in Philadelphia with NBC Sports. Of course, the Edmonton Oilers making a couple trades on the deadline day. They bring in a Derek Broussard from Philly for a 2023 fourth-round draft pick, and then from Montreal they get defenseman Brett Kulak. That cost them Willie Lagos in a 2022 conditional second-rounder and a 2024 seventh-rounder. If the Oilers make the Stanley Cup final, the 2022 pick becomes a 2023 pick because, of course, then the Oilers will be giving their second-round pick to the Chicago Blackhawks. Going back to the Duncan Keith deal for the Edmonton Oilers last couple games, uh, one out of a possible four points on a... Monday night, pretty good effort against the Colorado Avalanche. They would lose that one in overtime. And then last night in Dallas, uh, some good, some bad. They end up losing the game. Uh, we'll talk to Hernan Salas about that in a minute here. Like I said, though, we'll talk to Jordan Hall from Philly. We'll talk to John Liu out in Montreal. Get a little bit of a scouting report on the newest members of the Edmonton Oilers. And with that, we now bring in Hernan Salas of TSN 1260. You can catch him on the Locked On Oilers podcast. You can also get him on the Don Wheaton GM on White post game show with the Lowdown with Low Tide. Give him a follow on Twitter. His Twitter handle actually changed uh, at Hernan Salas underscore Hernan. Why did the Twitter handle uh, change? Uh, I just needed to change. I I I keep saying Hernan the man. I'm still. It's been my whole life on Twitter, pretty much. So <laughs> didn't you have a different name to begin with? I did. I think Guy kind of, Guy Flaming chirped me, and then I had changed it to Hernan the Man. So. What was it before? I can't remember. And and why now Hernan Salas underscore? Is it because Hernan Salas was taken? It was, surprisingly, yeah. Like, you'd be surprised how many Hernan Salases are out there on the Twitter <laughs> world. So. Uh, I know that Jason Strudwick for a long time wanted his, but I think he has to be Jason underscore Strudwick. Yeah. Uh, our good friend Corey Graham. He has at Corey Graham, and he was hoping the old like Ravens and Bills cornerback would try to buy that handle off him on Twitter, but didn't work out. That's so too funny. Yeah, uh, interesting. You had to change it, and for those who don't know, the real—well, I don't know if it is the real reason—but you have moved on from TSN 1260. Starting in a couple weeks, you're joining the Edmonton Elks organization. You're going to be missed in the building, but I know we're all really excited for you. Uh, that's going to be taken away a little bit from your Oilers content, so I'm going to talk to. Uh, Victor Kui and Evan Dom and see if you can still do these podcast hits. But uh, Hernan, tell us a little bit about the new move because I, I know a lot of people are going to miss you on the post game show. Yeah, uh, move, sorry, pity on uh, moving to the Elks uh, starting in April. So yeah, very excited uh, to be there, uh, work in their media relations. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it was a tough decision. Of course, I love working here at twelve six. I've been here for over seven years and. Love doing the post game shows and getting to work with uh, low low tide on a full time basis has been uh, it's been unreal. But uh, yeah, it's just uh, another another chapter, I guess, in the career. Connor, really looking forward to it. Something I never thought I'd be doing, but <laughs> uh, I'm pretty excited, man. Pretty excited to join the organization of the Elks. The 
They're doing a lot of good things. Uh, absolutely love their president, Victor Kui. He's, he's uh, very active on the socials and, and uh, you know, the return of Chris Jones and all that. So expecting um, to add to that group and, and hopefully be there for a while. And, uh, yeah, just moving forward, Connor. It's It was tough, not going to lie, um, but excited also. I cannot wait until you text me, hey, take it easy on so-and-so. Oh, I'd never do that. Keep his name out your mouth. Keep Don't. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bash him anymore. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to training camp. Uh, go down there, hang out with you. Maybe we'll get uh, Evan Dom to come out and yeah. uh, Brian Swain, guy who covered, uh, just covered everything in this city. He's Brian Swain, you should give him a follow on Twitter. I don't know if he's going to keep it up now that he's working with the Elks as, like, was he content and uh, digital stuff. But he digs up some outstanding stats when it comes to the Oilers. He's really good. I so. follow him. We're good, buddy. We text... We text on the regular. We're both big hip hop guys. Yeah. So we're always kind of sharing like, uh, there's a book out or a new album or anything like that. Mostly we like old school rap. So we're usually just, Hey, did you hear this song or this album? Blah, blah, blah. So very excited that he's joining the, the team as well. So, uh, yeah, good times. Uh, good times. Come my, on, man. My nephew is trying to, uh, well, he's, he's learning to speak a little bit better, right? Yeah. And, uh, he tried to ask Siri to play. I don't even know what it was. Baby Shark or something. Yeah. Like somehow he got uh, OPP by Naughty by Nature. So nice. When you say old school hip hop, that just came to mind, and I guess he was vibing out to it. So that's uh, a great song. You know, he might be he might be following the footsteps of you, Swain. Uh, it's gonna be awesome. The Elks, man, I cannot wait for football season. But let's talk about the Oilers because you know they're playing right now. They're in the the midst of a race for that playoff spot. Uh, probably trying to get second in the Pacific. I think that would probably help them out a long ways if they take on the LA Kings, get the home ice advantage. They've been very good there as of late. But overall, Hernan, one out of four points. A great performance against the Colorado Avalanche. We saw some good. We saw some ugly last night in Dallas. So what do you take away from that road trip? Yeah, unfortunate. Uh, they played really well in Colorado. Probably deserved a little bit better. OT was kind of a mess. Just some bad luck. Yeah. And then yesterday for 27 minutes, they were the better team. They were really good, but a, a whole whack of things went wrong. Uh, top pairing for the Oilers was not good enough. You can't get scored in 24 seconds twice. Uh, power play lets them down. They could have grabbed the game, iced it, went up 4-2, but the power play was terrible. Again, McDavid just looking for the same old play. Like This team really has to get more creative in that aspect, like they do. Um, f- figure out something else, man, because every team knows what you're doing. Power play lets them down. Some bad plays from some of their top players. Uh, two soft goals. Uh, the PK continues to leak. So there, like you said, it there's good in this game. There mm-hmm. was. They even led at one point, but there was some bad still. And 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 like Jay Woodcroft said yesterday, they got to fix it and they got to fix it fast. They really do. And I mean, you know, you got San Jose on Thursday night, a team that just beat the Calgary Flames. Then you head down to Calgary on Saturday. And, you know, we talked about it for a while. You're running out of runway here in this regular season. You're probably not catching the Flames for first, but, uh, you want to, you want to stay in that, uh, second or third spot in your division so you can play the Kings or whoever it might be. You don't want to fall into those wild card spots. So that's, that's dangerous. That's a matchup with Calgary or Colorado waiting to happen. Is that how it would work out? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't want to be the guy. I, I would love to see a matchup against those teams because I think it'd be a fantastic series either way you go. But yeah, it's, uh, it, it's definitely something they got to watch out for. Now, Hernan, they bring in Broussard. They bring in. 
Brett Kulak. Uh, we're going to talk and get a scouting report on those guys later on in the podcast. But trade deadline, what do you think? And uh, well, 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 we'll leave it at that right now. What did you think of trade deadline? Yeah, it was what I expected. One more move than I expected. Um, everybody knew they were getting a depth defenseman. Uh, we'll see what Kulak brings to this team. Looks, sounds like he's got some versatility to his game. Uh, not a big points guy, but I mean, I want my defenseman to defend first, so I'm yeah. totally okay with that. Broussard, yeah, sure. I mean, we'll see. Uh, from all accounts from Philadelphia media, I guess he was playing really good there in Philadelphia. So, uh, for me, it's, yeah, I mean, depth guys, uh, how much of an impact will they have? We'll wait and see on that, but excited to see them for sure. Uh, Kulak's either going to play with Bouchard or Barry, and then we'll see what what uh, head coach Jay Woodcroft does in terms of the lines with Derek Broussard now in the mix and Archibald back at home. They're back at home, so Archibald's going to draw in and then possibly Nuge tomorrow, so it's going to get interesting. Well, then, I mean, we're not even going to wait for what uh, Jay Woodcroft's going to do. Let's run through it here, Hernan. Going into this game on Thursday against the Sharks, top line, I assume, stays the same. They've been fire as of late. Kane, McDavid, Yamamoto, you agree? Yeah. How about line two? Dreisaitl. I heard one today with Dusty, and I, I liked it. So you throw Hyman back to the right, you put McLeod on his left, and then you put Jesse Pugliarvi on the third. I'm not liking Jesse Pugliarvi's game right now. Do you factor any of that coming back from injury? Are we being too tough on him? No. No? <laughs> if you're playing, you're not hurt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, he, I, I just don't get how these guys don't see Kyler Yamamoto out there against the, the Avalanche. Like, yeah, I've been having a good time throwing hits and – Taking the occasionally penalty, even if it's soft. Um, yeah, I thought that'd be a little more contagious amongst the lineup. But, okay, so sorry, you said Hyman, Dreisaitl, and who's at the right side? McLeod. McLeod, okay. Well, then, you throw Hyman probably on the right. Okay, okay. Um, all right, and then so your second line, you've got Nuge with JP. Or sorry, third line? Yeah, Nuge, JP, and Fogel. And then fourth line? I'd go at home, I'd go Broussard. Archibald, Cassian, and then either Ryan or Cassian. Okay, okay, yeah, well, I'll agree with that. I, I've got no issue with that one right here. And then quickly defensively here, Darnell Nurse with Cody Cece. Despite the game that he probably wants back against the Stars, you stick there? Yeah, I, I don't stop that one. Um, Keith Bouchard? It's probably me, Kulak Berry. Kulak Berry. There's the not end. a lot of options. Yeah, take Chris Russell out. and uh, Yeah, you're probably not lost. Uh, how many points do the Oilers come away with here, Hernan? Three. Oof. Which game is going to overtime? Calgary. Oh, and they're going to lose in overtime? That's they're heartbreaking. As long as you're getting points, right? Like, the Oilers blew such a huge... The Oilers do nothing easy. <laughs> I don't think... I think this is going to come down to the last two games because I have a feeling eventually uh, Vegas is going to get hot and they're going to push the Oilers. Vegas... Kings... We keep expecting them to fall off. They just don't. I know they went through a rough stretch, uh, stretch, stretch last week. Um... Lost more, lost some games there, but and yesterday I guess Nashville played the night before, so you kind of knew LA was gonna kind of run their show a bit there. So, uh, yeah, it's it's the Oilers just gotta take care of their business in the Pacific, because like you said, you want you don't want to be in that wild card spot, and like Daryl Sutter said, it's a waste of eight days. Yeah, it is because they're not beating Calgary and they're not beating Colorado. How do you think that a series would go Oilers-Avs? I asked the guys on five questions, and I think it was kind of like, the Oilers could probably win one or two. I think six. Six, yeah. I, I'd take the Avs in six. I think the Oilers could sneak one away, but keep in mind, Colorado didn't have Landis Gog. Yeah. They didn't have Samuel Girard. They didn't have Bowen Byram. Um, 
So they're missing three key players to the roster. So that and they didn't have Arturi Lekkinen in the lineup. Andrew Cogliano. <laughs> like that team is stacked, man. Yeah, yeah. Like they they've built a really good team. So yeah, I, and then people are like, well, Hernan, you have no faith. Well, I mean, with the goaltending the Oilers get and the decor, seriously, because up front I think they're fine. Yeah, I think it's one of their best groups they've had in a long time. I I just don't see them beating any of the top teams. Yeah. And I know they play Calgary really well. I know that. But I just think Calgary's Calgary's figured it out a lot faster than Edmonton has. Yeah. And yeah. you look at Calgary, like, outside of Goudreau, that just team looks like they're built for the playoffs. Yeah. And they blew the and lead Goudreau yesterday, and that happens. But Calgary doesn't blow leads like that that often. And I don't know if you watched the last minute and a half of that game. Calgary should have scored three times. Like, seriously, they were all over San Jose. They just were missing by just a little bit. Man, I I look forward to it. And you know what? An Oilers Flames playoff series to me would be unreal. Well, it's going to be a wild ride, man. I, I I just want it. And you know what? We're in this place here. Like if we get Avs versus one of the Florida teams in the finals, like I know I'm looking way down the road and counting out the Oilers already, but that would be awesome hockey. So uh, it's going to be a fun stretch, Hernan. Oh yeah. Uh, you won't have to deal with the the mad hockey fanatics. Quite as much, but uh, we look forward to seeing you on the sidelines during Elks games. Appreciate you doing this, and maybe we'll get you on one more time before you ditch us. For sure, buddy. Thank you for having me on. There you go. That's Hernan Salas of TSN 1260 Locked On Oilers podcast. The Don Wheaton GM on White post game show with Tom Gazzola. The lowdown with Low Tide and uh, two guys in a goalie and future member of the Edmonton Elks. Really appreciate him hopping on. Give him a follow on Twitter at Hernan Salas underscore. Great stuff, as per usual. Right now, we're going to talk to John Liu out in uh, Montreal. Obviously, covers the Canadians with TSN. The team bringing in Brett Kulak from the Montreal Canadiens, veteran defenseman, a guy from the area. John, thanks so much for doing this today. Really appreciate you hopping on. How are you doing? Great. Thanks, Connor. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, glad glad to get you on here. And, uh, of course, trade deadline coming on and the Edmonton Oilers uh, bringing in a couple players, one of which who played in Montreal, Brett Kulak, uh, kind of a guy from the Edmonton area. We had him on the show with Jason Greger. He sounded very excited to to come to a team that's contending for the playoffs as well as return home where his family and friends can actually come and watch him a lot easier. So, uh, John, I guess very quickly here, a rundown on Brett Kulak. What can Oilers fans expect from him? Well, uh, the way that Brett Kulak has been playing over the last, uh, I'd say, month, roughly the month, uh, um, after he you know, got a little bit of experience under um, Marty St. Louis, uh, he's been playing very well, very consistently, very confidently. Uh, the type of game that we see from Brett Kulak that he has shown in flashes throughout his tenure in Montreal, uh, but not to a lasting extent. Um, when he's playing confidently, he skates well, he makes a good first pass, he'll jump into the rush, be down low in the offensive zone trying to uh, take advantage of backdoor plays or even uh, <laughs> maybe even a little bit on the cycle. Um, I mean, that's how confident he is in his skating abilities. Um, as far as defending is concerned, he's steady. He's not overly physical by any means, but he's a smart player. And so when he has all those aspects of his games go- game going, he can play anywhere up and down the lineup, to be honest. Uh, uh, over his tenure here in Montreal, uh, he has played on a top pairing very briefly with Shea Weber. Uh, his most consistent uh, partner has been, coincidentally, Jeff Petrie, the former Oiler, uh, and they've been a very uh, effective tandem. 
in, I'd say, the better part of the last two or three years when they have been playing together. So, um, yeah, Kulak, uh, the, the version of Kulak that we've seen over the last month to six weeks has been the better Brett Kulak. Um, uh, but having said that, uh, he had gone through stretches of inconsistency and had lacked confidence earlier on uh, throughout his stay in Montreal, and that had a lot had a lot to do with uh, management and previous coaches, whether Dominic Ducharme or Claude Julien. And just last week, uh, Kulak said that uh, he felt like he was benefiting from fresh eyes in the organization. Didn't name names, but we knew that he was referring to Marty Saint Louis and the new GM, Kent Hughes, uh, that basically have given him an opportunity to, to become, to show the best version of himself, whereas uh, prior to uh, prior to February of this year, uh, he felt like uh, when he got onto a good stretch but had a bad uh, turn of events or had a bad game, the perception that he seemed to be saddled with was, quote-unquote, oh, there's that player. And he didn't say whether it was the GM or the coach or coaches that had that mindset, but you could tell that, you know, he certainly was enjoying the change that's gone on in Montreal over the last month and a half. So with with the improved play, and I mean, it, it's not just Kulak. I think anyone who watches the team noticed the, the change since Martin St. Louis took over as head coach. Were you surprised to see him get moved, or did you think there was potential that they might keep him around and, and maybe even extend him? Well, uh Kent Hughes, just under a week ago, when speaking to the media in his pre-deadline availability, said outright that he really liked Brett Kulak's game and that he would like to consider uh, re-signing him this, this offseason when he was a pending UFA. Having said that, though, um, the caveat was that if Hughes received an offer that he couldn't refuse, then he was willing to move Brett Kulak uh, and by extension, Arturi Lekkinen as well, who's an extremely useful, was an extremely useful and consistent player for the Canadians. So in some ways we were surprised, but not surprised. Maybe surprised by the fact that uh, the Canadians received three assets in return for Kulak, a rental player. But having said that, I guess the Oilers, Ken, Ken Holland liked what he saw enough that he believed that uh, shoring up their defense with Brett Kulak for the price that they were willing to pay was, uh, was a worthy move. Now, you mentioned that he played time with Shea Weber on the top pairing, also playing with Jeff Petria. With his skill set, is there someone that, or a, a player type or style that you think he would thrive with, or does he have the ability to kind of mesh with anyone? I think that he can flex pretty well, but I believe he probably would be best served to be in a third-pairing role with uh, a, a more traditional defender somebody that's a little bit more stay-at-home, less of a puck mover, because that would be the more complementary uh, complementary skill set to, to Kulak, who does like to skate and move the puck. Uh, I mean, he's not a premier puck mover, uh, but he is... Um, he is skilled enough in that side of uh, of his position that on a third pairing with proper minutes proper partner um that would be a good uh, that would probably be uh the position to allow him to succeed that uh, the, the most uh, the, the optimum position for him to succeed uh now having said that he can play the right side as well he hasn't done so as much, but he is able to play right defense as well, even though he's a left shot. So he does have that uh, that versatility in his toolbox. But 
Uh, having said that, he is more comfortable on the left side. Now, well, last year, obviously, the Canadians went on a great playoff run of the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, he played in 13 games. The year before that, though, getting into 10 playoff games, uh, I think a lot of Oilers fans would say that the last few years for them in the playoffs hasn't gone the way they would have liked it. Maybe they don't play that great playoff style of hockey. Uh, what did you see from him in the playoffs last year? Uh, to be honest with you, um, he didn't play a significant role. Uh, he was he was in and out of the lineup, um, and the, because the Canadians really relied heavily on their uh, their big four, uh, like they're very well three very physical defensemen plus Jeff Petrie, a, a real minute eater who was playing very good hockey uh, until he he broke his finger accidentally, um, and so their bottom third their third pairing were a couple of deadline pickups primarily, Eric Gustafson and, uh, and John Merrill. So Kulak did not get a lot of playing time. He was spot, he, he got spot duty. Um, but having said that, you know, I don't recall there being any instances where he distinguished himself either on the plus or minus side. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think last playoff was a fair uh, estimate or, or, or indication of what he's capable of in the postseason just because he played such a limited role. I think it, depending on how the Oilers deploy him between now and the end of the regular season, if he continues to play the way that he did for the Canadians for the last month, then I think that he could really earn himself a more significant role in the playoffs. But uh, having said that, well, let the games begin. He won't be able to prove that until we see it in his play. Absolutely. And those are some pretty good defense in that we're ahead of in, in Montreal last year. Uh, John, just final question for you. I just want to ask you about uh, Martin St. Louis since he took over. What's been the biggest change in this group and the impact that he's had on them? Um, well, he's he's got his players believing in themselves. Like You, you often hear the cliche about buy-in, but uh, St. Louis is doing it in a different way. Um the the comparison that I like to use is that he's he's actually a, a very br- he's a brilliant manager. He knows how to he uses psychology uh, to really get the most out of his players. Um, a part of that comes from the fact that he has a lot of currency, being a Hall of Famer, uh, uh, an MVP, uh, an Art Ross Trophy winner, uh, a guy who got the most out of his smaller frame, but worked harder than pretty much everybody around him and so that resonates with his players um the way that he tries to to get them to think in terms of of concepts as opposed to systems he's not a systems guy that he has a structure that he does demand but within that he encourages his players to make the best read possible make the best play available to them and not just default to the simple uh you know, obvious play. He basically, he's trying to enable them to get the most out of what they're capable of, the ceilings that they might not been might not have been aware of themselves at the NHL level. And that doesn't matter whether you're talking about their offensive stars or their their depth players. Um, and you can see it that the team is playing with confidence and a, with cohesiveness that is really a reflection of of what. San Luis has been basically, uh, I wouldn't say preaching since he came in, the way that he's been trying to uh, uh, just basically enable his players. And you see it with pretty much everybody on the roster. Yeah, I mean, the Oilers saw that firsthand uh, earlier on this month, a 5-2 loss to the Canadians, and uh, I think a lot of people out here are believers in the Martin St. Louis effect. John, thank you so much for doing this today. I really appreciate it. 
My pleasure, Connor. Anytime. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins as the action rolls on. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big two. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a big bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21-plus restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Wyoming. In Arizona, you can call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, New Hampshire, 1-800-522-4700. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Louisiana, 1-877-770-STOP. In New York, 877-8-HOPE-NY. Or you can text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. For Oregon, OPGR.org. In Tennessee, you can call or text the TN red line, 1-800-889-9789. And in Virginia, 1-888-532-3500. Must be 21+, plus, 18+, plus in New Hampshire or Wyoming. Physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. There you go. That is TSN's John Liu. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter at John Liu, TSNMTL. Great follow, very connected with the Montreal Canadiens organization and uh, for the Edmonton Oilers. Like I mentioned, we had uh, Brett Kulak on the show with Jason Greger on Monday, right when he was traded. And you could sense the excitement there. A guy from the Edmonton area, Stony Plain, I believe, uh, you know, told us a story about how he told his dad, uh, FaceTimed him, and his dad was out on the farm and uh, got a little emotional. You know, his son's coming home to play hockey. That's an awesome story. He's going to have a lot of friends and family down at the Ice District to go down and cheer him on. And, um, you know, as John said, a guy who can play up and down in the lineup, maybe not as playoff tested as Oilers fans would have liked, but you're hoping that uh, once the Oilers can try to get in, if it happens, I think it will, uh, we'll see what he can do there. But uh, really appreciate John Liu coming on this show today, of course. Uh, the compensation, like we mentioned, to Brett Kulak for a 2022 conditional second-round pick. William Lankison and a seventh rounder in 2024. Something maybe just uh, sweeten the pot there just to make sure they got that deal done. Right now, though, we're going to talk to a Jordan Hall. He covers the Philadelphia Flyers for NBC Sports Philadelphia. Friend of the show. He's been on before. You can give him a follow on Twitter at jhallnbcs. And, of course, we're going to talk a little bit about Derek Brassard, another player that the Oilers picked up on the deadline. All it cost them was a fourth-round pick in 2023. Jordan, thanks so much for doing this today. How are you doing? 
Connor, I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I'm glad you could do this, and uh, obviously maybe not the season the Philadelphia Flyers would have liked. A few names moved out, probably the one everyone will be talking about, Claude Giroux, uh, down to the Florida Panthers. Man, that team's getting good. Uh, Jordan, before we get into the Oilers part of this, uh, what's it like, Claude Giroux, I mean, the era after he left, a guy who played a 1,000 games in the Flyers uniform? Yeah, truly we're not having him here in Philadelphia. He was here for parts of 15 years. He was the longest tenured active athlete in the city. Uh, he actually made his NHL debut before the Phillies won the World Series in 2008 in that fall. So he had been here a long time. He was a flyer. He was Philly. And it's odd to see him in Florida Panthers colors, but it felt inevitable once the Flyers started having the season they were um, that this was going to happen. Uh, when you go into a contract year and, and you say you're going to talk about things at the end of the season, uh, the Flyers are headed for a retool, uh, a second straight year of no playoffs, and Claude Drew is 34 and really wants to win. So uh, it seemed inevitable as this started happening, but very odd just not to have him here in Philadelphia and seeing him in Florida. Now, another trade that relates more to this podcast, of course, is Derek Broussard coming to the Edmonton Oilers, uh, going the other way. It was a fourth-round pick in 2023. And I know Derek Broussard didn't play the most games with the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, 31 games this year after coming over from the Coyotes. He's been all over the place. I believe this is his 10th NHL franchise. Um, a guy who's a little bit older now. Uh, so from what you saw, six goals, 10 assists in those 31 games, what did you see from his game, and, and why should Oilers fans be excited, or should they even be excited? I think they should. He he was an effective player when he was in the lineup, and he just reminds me of a hockey player. It sounds cliche, but he's a guy that's been around the block. He's been on 10 teams, as you mentioned, Connor. He's been traded six times, but he's played in 117 games of playoffs uh, in the playoffs, and uh, he's been to a Stanley Cup final where he lost. And he's lost in the Eastern Conference Final three times. So he's hungry to win, and he, you really can just plug him into a lineup and he'll play. He can play wing. He can play center. He can win you some faceoffs. And he's just a really smart player. I think it's why he's played in the number of Paul teams that he has. He's a smart player that coaches can trust in different spots. Uh, the injury concerns do worry me a little bit. He had a really troubling hip issue that cost him 31 games. So he played in 31, missed 31. He tried returning from that injury three times, and the very next game he had to come out of the lineup for more recovery. So it's an injury that does worry me. You, know, like you go through the grind of a playoff race and then getting into the playoffs and playing a lot of games, physical games. So that does worry me a little bit, but he proved he was healthy in March. He played the final 11 games before the deadline and was very, was very good. So if he's healthy, I think he can be a solid guy to – maybe slide into your bottom six and give you a little bit of everything. Well, I mean, and that just leads me right into my next question. The Oilers, when you look at them, uh, the top six, probably the strongest part of their hockey team. Bottom six is where you could use a little bit of help. Uh, where do you think the ideal role would be for him? Is he a third line, fourth line? Uh, there's kind of a joke going around in Edmonton that he's not much of a penalty killer, even though some have said that he is. But uh, where, where kind of roles do you think he can slide into and help this team? He's definitely not a PKer. He didn't PK here, and I, I know he didn't PK a lot in his career. He's more of a skilled, smart player, uh, so I don't see him on a penalty kill, but I don't think Edmonton needs help on his power play either. So, you know, I'm not sure where he'll fit in special teams-wise, but I think he's a perfect third-line center. I think if you play him around 13 to 14 minutes a game, he's going to be really good in that role. He'll, he'll provide offensive chances. He won't hurt you in many ways. And he's just a real accountable pro. 
he had a bad game earlier this month against the Wild. He had a really bad turnover. The Flyers unraveled late later in the game for for just really kind of a horrific loss. He went into Mike Yo's office, the interim head coach here, the very next day, and he vowed to be better. He said, I, I wasn't good. I'm going to be better. The next game against the Blackhawks, he scored a game-tying goal in the third period. He's a plus three. So he's a man of his word. He's accountable. And uh, I, I think a third-line center role would just be perfect for him. Uh, if, you, if you put him with some solid, talented guys, uh, he, he's going to make things happen. Yeah, I mean, and there's been some talk about that, like Ryan Nugent Hopkins could slide into that third line center role, but you know also can play the wing in the top six. Uh, there's a lot of versatile yeah. versatile pieces with this Oilers team right now, especially up front. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see. Were you surprised to see him moved? I wasn't. I, I thought he was an ideal trade chip that was highly likely going to be moved. When the Flyers signed him in the off season, it was a one year deal for cheap for eight hundred twenty five thousand at his age and expiring contract. I knew if the Flyers' season didn't go well, and it, and it has not, that he would likely be moved. I think that's, that was the Flyers' play there of signing him, was he could help them in this season if they wanted to have a rebound year. And if they didn't, they can move him as a chip and, and get some draft uh, pick compensation. So I, I thought it was very likely he would be moved. And I don't think it phases him anymore, Connor. He's, he's been moved six times. We talked to him, and he said uh, he's used to this, and, and he's really hungry to win again. He said he's been really close to the Cup and he hasn't done it yet. So I think that, you know, he's a guy that's going to go in there and just want to do what what it takes to win. That's all he really cares about right now at this stage of his career. Yeah, and I mean, you talk about kind of just being that veteran and looking for that opportunity, making it to the conference finals. Um, I'm intrigued to see how he is when he comes to Edmonton. We had some people kind of commenting in his introductory press conference that he didn't seem overly excited. Uh, is that just kind of how he is? Is he a laid-back guy? I would say yes. He is a laid-back guy. Um, he'll smile from time to time, but he, he is very laid-back, uh, just really just kind of a hockey player. So I wouldn't buy too much into that. I, was, I sort of had the first, that, that similar first impression of him was uh, didn't say a whole lot, uh, maybe didn't seem excited at times, kind of seemed like he was just going through the process, going through the emotions. But when he's out there, he cares. Uh, he likes to play hockey. He loves to play hockey. And uh, I think it's going to matter to him uh, if, if, they're, if Edmonton's in a playoff push. Uh, he, he's really going to give it his best. Now, on the flip side, the Philadelphia Flyers, I mean, the the, the thing that went back, the fourth-round pick in 2023, obviously doesn't pay immediate dividends, but that, that's looking like it's going to be a deeper draft. Uh, are the Philadelphia Flyers looking at this as a full-blown rebuild right now after trading away uh, the face of the franchise? They don't see it as a complete teardown. They're, they're calling it an aggressive retool, and I think that's, what, that's the, the path they're going to take. And I, I don't blame them for it. They still have some young pieces here. They have some uh, veteran guys under contract that are still really good players that have been battling injuries. Uh, so, but they have, they have pieces. They have a young Joel Farabee, Travis Konechny's only 25, uh, Carter Harden, that looks like the franchise goalie. He's 23. And then they have guys like Sean Couturier, who has played only 29 games this year because of injury, but uh, he, he's expected to be back healthy. So they, I think they do have some good foundation pieces, vets and younger guys, but they certainly need to change things up, and, and, and they're going to have a very busy summer. They had a busy summer last summer. They're going to be even busier this summer because the Flyers haven't missed the playoffs in consecutive years since the early 90s, so they're, they're doing that right now. And uh, the Flyers have grown accustomed to at least being in the playoffs and, and going for it. So... They need to get back to that. 
Um, but I don't think it's a complete teardown. I don't think the front office feels that way either. Yeah, and I mean, the way the NHL works these days, if you can luck into a couple good picks in the, the lottery and then a couple big names in free agency, uh, it can be a quick one. The New York Rangers showing that. And, hey, I mean, Philadelphia, that's a, that's a forgiving sports town, though, right? You can You can miss for a few years. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no one's caring right now at all that they're missing the playoffs. They're excited for the draft. No, I'm only kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, the fans have shown their frustration by uh, not showing up, essentially. Uh, their attendance has been down. Uh, it, it's been a weird year because you're typically seeing fans come out to the Wells Fargo Center uh, and, and watch a playoff race. And this year they've been well out of the playoff mix for a while now. So, uh they're eager to get this team back on track and, and, and really feel playoff hockey again. It seemed like they were getting in that direction in 2019-20, and they never built upon it, and uh, now they're trying to get back to it. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I, we obviously don't see the Flyers in town too often, but usually it's uh, some big names coming over. You know it's going to be a good game, and uh, I'm sure they'll get back to that quicker than uh, quicker than later. Uh, Jordan, thanks so much for doing this today. I really do appreciate it, and uh, we'll have to get you on again down the road. Connor, really appreciate it. Great catching up with you, and take care. Great stuff from Jordan Hall. He covers the Philadelphia Flyers for NBC Sports in Philadelphia. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter at jhallnbcs. And that's going to do it for another edition of the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Big thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings. If you're going to sign up today, make sure to use promo code THPN. It can help you out with a lot of fun. For the Edmonton Oilers, uh, coming off a couple losses on the road trip, picked up the big point in Colorado against the Avalanche. Next game, Thursday night, when the Oilers will host the San Jose Sharks. And on Saturday, the Battle of Alberta down in Calgary, 8 o'clock puck drop. Uh, pre-game coverage, 6.30 on TSN 1260. And if you're looking for pre-game coverage on a Thursday night, we'll get going at 6 o'clock. Tom Gazzola, former NHLer Matt Cassian, and myself. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the show today. We'll talk to you next time here on The Other Connor Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to The Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.